this, th these are Manford rules. I mean, go ask him you know, what he wants to do with this. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Furbridge, your host, and with me today is Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm not doing half bad, Mark. How about you? Yeah, Brandon, I'm crazy. It's nuts. I mean, we have been able to celebrate the first day of super sticky stuff, foreign substance inspections, and the umpires taking that new rule seriously, or old rule with new guidelines very seriously. So, did you happen to see Mr. Max Scherzer last night when the Nationals were there playing the Phillies? I did, and he, he was definitely entertaining to watch. I didn't get to actually see him pitch. I saw more of his uh, inspection process. <laughs> yeah, Scherzer was looking pretty good on the mound last night. It, it started. It, this wasn't against him or anything else. What it was is they went ahead and they started going ahead and measuring what was happening as far as our pitchers bring any sticky stuff in. And it wasn't just him. This was across the league. And the inspection, basically, umpires can, should check a pitcher, you know, a couple of times while they're up there. And by up there, I mean actually when they're stepping off the mound, having them, you know, open their hat, open their glove, you know, let me see what's on your belt, let me see what's on your hands. You know, quite the physical inspection. And it sometimes gets a little ugly, but here's what Matt Scherzer had to say about the process overall. Yeah, I mean, the two checks were, I guess, normal. You know, umpires, you know, this is new for everybody, but, uh, you know, like, hey, they're checking your hat, they're checking your glove. I mean, you're ready for them to check your hands. You know, like, I wasn't, you know, just using rosin tonight, so wasn't doing anything. That's all fine. And obviously, Girardi, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, kind of confusing um, if you watch the bomb at bat. Um, you know, I just, I almost put a 95 mile an hour fastball on his head because the ball slipped on my hand. Um, you know, the whole night I was sick of kind of licking my fingers and tasting rosin the whole night. So the only part, I couldn't even get sweat from the back of my head because it wasn't a really a warm night. Um, so for me, I, the only part that was sweaty on me was actually my hair. Um, so I had to take off my hat to be able to try to get any type of, uh, you know, try to get some type of moisture on my hand, uh, to try to, you know, mix with the, mix with the rosin. And so, um, you know, for me, that's that's the confusing part is I'm just trying to get a grip of the ball. And you can even watch in that previous at bat, the ball slipped out of my hand, almost drilled something in the face. He sounds like he has a pretty good understanding of what went on, but he also has a great deal of concern about what could happen if a pitcher doesn't have some control of the ball. I don't think he was too happy about it when in the middle of an inning, the oppo manager, Joe Girardi, was calling for an inspection of, you know, Mr. Scherzer. So the game has to stop. All the umps had to come out there and look it over. Not a pleasant few moments for Max or the fans. No, and, and like you said, he did seem like he understands why they have to do it, you know, but he did seem annoyed that they had to do it anyways. And, of course, that having the other manager say, hey, maybe he's doing a little something on the second day of it being implemented. And that's when you got the uh, the viral clip of him throwing his hat down, throwing his glove down, and then unbuckling his pants. And first of all, that was something I never thought I'd see on a baseball field. <laughs> and Twitter was great. Some people making 
jokes about it, some I cannot read or say on the air, but it was it was quite the entertaining thing, even though I do have some opinions on that, which I can get into a little bit later. Well, yeah, you know, but it was entertaining, and there there was all kinds of assertions being made, and I had a little fun with it. But the question came down to, why did Joe Girardi even feel the need to ask that question? Why did he feel the need to say, hey, umps, well, you know, what do you think's going on out there? I need you to go over and check on Scherzer. And here's Joe's response last night at the press conference. Yeah, I've seen Max a long time, since 2010. Um, obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but I've never seen him wipe his head like he was doing tonight, ever, um, going like this, right? So it was suspicious for me. He did it about four or five times. Um, it was suspicious. I didn't mean to offend anyone. I just got to do what's right for our club. Well, you know, obviously he, he thought there was something there. He saw some behavior by Max Scherzer that he hadn't seen before. He said he had never seen him take his hat off and stroke his hair. <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Somebody's really watching. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, and you know what it was? A lot of, from you see these little clips getting put up there on TV, or YouTube, et cetera. And initially you're hearing things like, and then guess what happened? Joe Girardi jumped out of uh, the, jumped out of his dugout and started shouting at, at the, the players over there. It's, it made it all sound like it was immediately happening at the same time. But what had happened was uh, uh, the game continued. You know, I don't think Davey Martinez was too happy about it. But uh, as the game continued, and I think it was after the fifth inning when Scherzer was up, and as he stepped off the mound, he gave a glare. He gave a glare over the, to Girardi. And uh, all the way walking to the dugout, well, Girardi started to step out. He said, whoops, because what he had heard from the, the opposing coaches. Here, here's what we, his words on that. No, I wasn't challenging the club. There were some coaches that were screaming at me, right? And coaches that I know, and it, it bothered me, right? I mean, I'm I'm not playing games, trying to win games here. I'm not playing games. And I have respect for the other people over there. I have respect for what Max has done in his career. But again, I got to do what's right for our team. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, the the um, the Nationals coaches were giving him a little hard, and he has to stand up for his team. Ah, that just that sounds a little little league in itself, but I don't know. It's yeah, it, I, I would much rather have Joe Girardi in the game than out of the game. So, but he, he certainly brought an entertainment to it last night. This whole thing to me, it kind of seems like a victim of circumstance. If that's the right word or the right phrase for it. Because, I mean, a week ago, two weeks ago, would Girardi have told the umpires to look at him because he's rubbing his hair? And the Nationals and Scherzer are understandably upset because someone's, it could be seen as they're insinuating that you're, you're cheating, you're breaking the rules. So I see both sides of this argument. You know, you can call me a middleman or whatever, but I think this is just a circumstance of, the situation unlike Sergio Romo where you know the only thing missing from that from that scene was the umpire throwing dollar bills on him <laughs> are, are you referring to Sergio's strip tease last night 
Yep. Uh, That's what it was. Gosh, it was, you know, Sergio, I, he, he's always a showman. And I don't know if he'd heard what happened with Scherzer being so upset and standing over the dugout, waving his glove and waving his hands and his belt and his hat, you know, across to the other dugout. Or if he would just, the whole idea of Scherzer standing there and undoing the belt. But Sergio went in there and he made sure they had a much closer inspection. He, he took off that belt, you know, rolled it up, threw it on the ground, and threw his glove on the ground, and then unbelts the buckle, you know, like you're supposed to be able to make sure he doesn't have anything on that, and then proceeds, you know, to, like I said, three, he threw it on the ground, but proceeds to go ahead and pull his britches down, and we got to see what his underwear looks like, more than I cared to see him, but, you know, it was just short of mooning the, the fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you'd get arrested and fined in some places for doing that. I would think so. You know, it's they didn't throw him out for any kind of bad behavior or anything, but that's Sergio. And I don't know if this is, maybe this is just me, but because I know Phil Hughes, a former pitcher and Lightning fan, shout out to him, he put out on Twitter last night that, I don't remember exactly what I said. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he said, don't be upset with the umpires. They're doing what they have to do. The rule is stupid, but it is the rule. But the players are making themselves look like clowns doing what they're doing, you know, unbuckling their pants and pulling their pants down. Yeah. When, I mean, you have the best pitcher in the Grom who's basically like, okay, here, look at my glove. I'm just better than them. And then some guys pulling their pants down when you could just make yourselves look like the better half and people get on your side more and not get annoyed with you, just being like, hey, the rules are the rules. It's annoying, but, you know, this is the situation we're in right now. But um, some guys react differently to it, and it's amazing. The first night, nothing really big happened from it. People were like, hey, that's this isn't as big of a deal. Right. And then the next night, everybody's pulling their pants down, teams yelling at each other. <laughs> I know I watched the Rays game last night, and he's, uh, when Kittredge came out after the first few pitches as a starter for the Rays, you know, he, I guess it wasn't top of mind for him, but they walked up to him. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 I got, let me show you my hat and my glove. It seemed very simple. It seemed very no uh, antagonism there or anything of that nature. And I'm, One thing, Brandon, I was wondering about is how these umps are, tra- are trained for this, you know, how they're going to do. I, uh, see it. Looking at, I think it was an article from Rosenthal, of all people, on the crackdown on forged substances. He had, let's see, talked with Joe West, one of the people here. This is uh, Joe West, baseball senior umpire, has acknowledged the possibility of mistakes. <laughs> okay, we can, just, we can stop our show right there. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's all, folks. Yeah. No, this is from Rosenthal. <laughs> and when he says, West went on to say, quote, don't think everything is going to be perfect. It doesn't happen that way, unquote. When league officials held a 90-minute call with umpires on Saturday, the principal topic was how umps will differentiate between legal and illegal substances. Hmm. Seems like a good idea. According to sources with knowledge of the discussion, one umpire speaking on condition of anonymity said, I think it will be very difficult for us to tell the difference. <laughs> 
Oh, oh, that's a great place to start with. <laughs> uh, go, go, see, our, our umpire leadership has been in regular contact with MLB and M, uh, MLBPA, the Players Association, as we finalize our enforcement plan, said Bill Miller, who had been an umpire since 1997. And then he's like, I think he's president of the umpires union. He says, we are trained to apply the rules on the field in a consistent and fair manner. Oh. What? It, consistent? Consistent. Yeah, it should be inconsistent. Consistent in <laughs> fair manner, and the issue of foreign substances will be no different. This is a critical issue for the game, and we look forward to partnering with the league and the players to make the game better. Thank you, Mr. Bill Miller. Uh, I, I don't know, brother. I mean, the the rule has been there all along. Let's Let's talk about some consistent enforcement. There hasn't been consistent enforcement for over a hundred years, you know, every now and a once in a blue moon or a decade, I think there's been somebody saying something, but I'm curious too, to see if we see more of this, uh, uh, like, you know, the manager's asking the question, like Joe Girardi, he was within his rights to do it, but it didn't necessarily make it very comfortable for anybody else. When did they teach the umpires, you know, what to look for like what are the signs because going into the season they were saying hey we're just going to collect and analyze stuff and then next year we're really going to implement it i mean did they just give them a lesson in the off season before or did they send them an email workshop video i think it was a that, couple days ago yeah i think the last one i think it was that, that 90 that uh call on saturday that 90 minute call that uh, he guys this is what you do this is how you look for it you think they had a nice PowerPoint to go with it? <laughs> it's like those uh, tutorial videos you when you first download something that you get in your email. Yeah, it, it obviously sunk very deep with them, so I'm not sure. I'm hoping these things go smoothly. And most of the time, if somebody watching the games on television, I'm probably not going to see much of this because they're going to do it between innings. They're not going to be checking the pitchers really. Pardon me. They're not going to be checking the pitcher so much in the middle of an inning unless they see something very suspect, meaning the umpires. If the umpire sees something where, hmm, what, wait a minute, what is that? What did he pull out of his pocket? Was that an emery board? <laughs> no. Oh, is it, <laughs> that chewing gum? That chewing gum is kind of unique. I don't see him chewing on it anymore. Is that on the ball? <laughs> then the umpire can go out there and, you know, and the, uh, it's up to the umpire's judgment to say, oh, this is a foreign substance that shouldn't be here. Or, oh, ha. Okay, I see it, Max. That's that's just actually, you know, you're uh, you've been licking the rosin bag, haven't you? So it's yeah, yeah it's I don't know. We'll, we'll see its application, and there'll be all kinds of commentary over the next week with it. And the players association will have one more thing to chew up with MLB, and I just hope the umpire association gets comfortable with this rule. I have a question for you. Uh oh. How long do we, because Kershaw brought this up, Girardi kind of could have used, you know, the umpires going out there to inspect Scherzer as sort of gamemanship. Yeah. How long until we maybe see more of that to where it's like, hey, this guy's getting too comfortable. Let's send the umpires out there to break up his rhythm a little bit. How long do we see that? I've got to think that there's going to be some, uh, some kind of fine for that kind of dug around for a little bit, but I don't think that'll happen too much. 
uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it'll get ugly. You do that to my guy, I'm going to do it to your guy. And everybody's going to be held to, you know, to a higher standard on this. Uh, unless there's something that really looks like what's going on, I'm hoping that we're not going to see that happen. But let's face it, you and I talked about this several times. Baseball is a game of deception. And, you know, to deceive the batter that the ball is coming up there where it's going to be. And see, let's, oh, here's an ABC News article. Uh, probably everybody, if you get a chance, you should take a look at. This is by Bradford Doolittle. And the article is Washington Nationals' Max Scherzer miffed as umpire inspecting three times. They go into quite a bit of what we were talking about here. It was interesting uh, that um, Scherzer said, let's see here. The whole night I was sick of licking my fingers and tasting rosin. I couldn't even get sweat from the back of my head. But it it really wasn't a warm night. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So the weather's going to make a difference. So if you're playing the trop or someplace else, you're not going to be sweating. And you won't need sunscreen. But it's, it is interesting. I mean, they're talking about as far as the managers and the crackdown. Let's see here. According to the MLB memo circulated about the process, which, quote, an imposing, excuse me, an opposing manager may request that the umpire inspect the pitcher or a position plate pitcher. Ugh. Let's try again. <laughs> an <laughs> opposing manager may request that the umpire inspect the pitcher our position pl- player only if the manager or a member of his team observes behavior on the field consistent with the use of a foreign substance. If a field manager asks the umpires to check the opposing pitcher for foreign substances, the umpires will ask the requester what is prompting the check and seek information on how they believe the pitcher is applying foreign substances to the baseball. Okay, that makes sense. And all checks that are prompted by a request from a field manager will take place between at-bats. Good. You, you don't interrupt at least one at-bat. Let's see. We'll make, the umpires will wait until the current at-bat has ended to perform the check for foreign substances. Please note that a manager will be subject to discipline if he makes the request in bad faith, such as, let's see, a request intended to disrupt the pitcher in a critical game situation. A routine request that is not based on observable evidence. What's going on here, man? What kind of, uh, you know, I, hey, it's the first day all this is being uh, employed or deployed, whatever this this uh, scrutiny. And I didn't really expect much to be going on. But yeah, Girardi's he seemed like he had some st- substance in the sense that I've never seen him go ahead and reach and take his hat off and, Rumba's fingers through his hair. If you want to, I mean, you can't really measure malicious content or bad faith, whatever the word was. You can't really measure that unless it's obvious Then the guy's just an idiot and deserves to be punished for it. I think, I think it was Kershaw who said in that article, and I know I recommended it to you this morning. Why not we use it as like a challenge to where you could say, hey, I think this guy is doing something. And you could add that to a challenge as well. And if you win it, you get to keep the challenge. If you lose, if you lose, then you lose the challenge. So if you implement that, you could lose a challenge on if God got on base or was safe or, or something like that. Well, here, getting back to the one part of it is that uh, good faith. 
you know, what what's happening in good faith or not, how to be able to measure that. And here's the thing, Brandon. It comes down to a lot of other things when it comes to an umpire. It is a judgment call, you know. If they think that it's a foreign substance, they can throw the guy out. So I guess, you know, they're, they're not going to test it right then and there. I would think that that would be true of the application of a, if you think a manager is just trying to foil or goof up on a, a pitcher out there that, you know, they could be, they could throw the manager out. I'm looking to see more of, more of what that would actually be, but, I don't expect to see managers doing much of that because if they do, they're going to get other managers looking back at them and it'd be a reciprocal type situation. But if they deploy the rule you're talking about and stealing one of your, uh, or taking away one of your challenges, that's a whole other ball of wax. Or maybe they put wax on the ball as a foreign substance. I don't know, but. It could be something to where you're not just you're not saying, you know what, hey, if he's getting too much of a rhythm, go out there and check him for me. I think he's using something when you're just using it as sort of like a free timeout to break break up the momentum. Instead, you'll be more like, do I want to risk this? Because I know he's not doing anything, so I'm not going to lose my challenge over this when I could use it for something more important to the game. But I think he's really doing something. Maybe we should check him out. You know, that's what, something that would probably make it more, like, more worth weighing. Well, <clears throat> pardon me. Well, I, I think that's a good point you make, Brandon. I mean, if they have to weigh the importance of a challenge that they may lose for something later, I think that that's uh, that that's probably a good method, a good strategy. I'm glad this happened here the first day. I'm glad this happened here on the first day of inspections because it kind of sets the tone and it puts other managers on notice too, saying, when is it a good chance? When is it a good time? If ever to say, Hey, ump, did you notice what he's doing out there? You know, or do uh, maybe just casually say something to him between innings and it's not actually a challenge. Eh, keep it on it. We'll see. I, I I have uh, faith in the umpires with with the knowledge that they have that they've been with the guidance that they've been given they'll do the best they can. So we'll see how this rolls out the rest of the season. I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it plenty more times. This won't be the last time. Yeah, and you and I both thought sticky stuff would be gone in a week and that'd be done. <laughs> that'd have been nice. That was January. We still had Christmas decorations up. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, brother. Okay. Well, enough sticky stuff. Let's talk about a guy. He has been breaking all kinds of records. We are talking about Mr. Jacob deGrom. So you're looking at deGrom, and his first start back after he was cold, he really didn't seem to skip a beat. He went five innings. It was a seven-inning doubleheader. He gave up no runs, two walks, six strikeouts, only threw 70 pitches and somehow managed to lower his ERA from 0.54 to 0.50. Is this just amazing? I mean, I saw Jeff Passan putting out the other night where DeGrom had a perfect inning, and I think it was like of, uh, he may have had, I don't want to say 10 or pitches or whatever, maybe it was 11, that were like seven of them were over 100 miles per hour. Let's see. There's something ridiculous. Hang on, I'll tell you for sure. 
But, uh, oh, I had to turn my phone on. <laughs> I'll fix whatever it is. I'll fix that later. Yeah, um, so he, he's definitely made, you know, this man's amazing. And I just don't know how long that arm's going to last. He's leading the MLB in number of pitches that are 100-plus miles per hour. Yeah, so it was a week ago. I think it was about 140. By now, it's probably 155 or something. So, wow. Uh, let's see. Looking again at his stats over the last few years. And let's see, he's been with the Mets most. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. And they got to love it. I mean, let's see. His in 2018 he had 1.7. And. 2019, 2.43, 2020, 2.38. But in 2021, the 0.5 ERA that you were talking about earlier, just amazing, stunning. And I'm sure he's going to come underneath, you know, close scrutiny because of everything about spin rate and foreign substances. But I, I think, I truly believe this guy's a natural, and I think he's just found it. I don't know. He, you know, he was out for a few weeks because of shoulder soreness, Brandon. We were all looking forward to seeing him come back and then seeing what he did the other day and knocking out Hakuna Jr. You know, wow. That was amazing. It's amazing to think that he's doing this and you have all these people complaining about not being able to use any like foreign substances. And he said, and others have said, he doesn't use them. And he's doing this. That's incredible. And I think... I sent you the, a clip of Rich Eisen. He's, he think, I think he set up our everybody's dream scenario for the All Star Game, where it's a Degrom Otani starting pitching matchup, and then you have Otani hitting second with the AL, so you have a Degrom Otani battle at the plate as well. That would be huge. And since Degrom can hit too, maybe you can put him second as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I saw him even even uh, at the mound when uh, somebody hit a ball and went directly at him. Man, he got that bam. He he's uh, he's quite the defensive player, and you know what? And I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I know that the Angels are going to be in Tampa this week, so I'm hoping to go watch. I mean, I get the day that Otani is pitching, but I'd love to see him still at bat. That'd be huge. Yeah, I got to see him at bat a couple years ago, and. He wasn't doing what he was doing then, but it's cool. I got to see a Mike Trout homer. It's something, something that'll be cool to tell in maybe 20, 30 years when he's in Akron, not Akron, in Cooperstown. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting Canton confused with Cooperstown. Oh, well, yeah. and I know Mr. Pujols, you know, one day he'll be there as well, probably with a Cardinal hat instead of an Angels hat. But, <laughs> that was cool or maybe a Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, some crazy stuff, but it, Baseball has given us a lot of exciting things. It seems like if there isn't uh, if there isn't enough on the field, MLB will find something else for us to talk about. Oh, Brandon. So what have you seen this past week, man? What's going on the rundown? What are you seeing? Well, first, I'll start off with the standings. I have two things. One thing is the standings like I like to do, and then another thing is basic fundamentals that major league players can't seem to do, so we can have some fun with that. With the standings, I'll start out in the AL West, where the Astros lead that division at 45 and 28, a game ahead of the A's, 
seven games ahead of the Mariners, who are on a seven-game win streak. Fun fact. They are also ahead of the Angels and Rangers, who are a long way back. The AL Central, the White Sox lead that division at 43-30, and 30, with the Indians two back, Royals nine, and then the Twins and Tigers tied for last 12 games back, both at 31-42. and 42. In the AL East, the Red Sox lead that division at 44-29, a game and a half above the Rays who are on a seven-game losing streak, and they dropped the first game against the Red Sox last night. The Yankees are in third at 38-34, five and a half back. Then the Blue Jays, seven back. And Orioles, they're still in the the division, but 21 games back. In the NL West, the Giants still lead that division at 47-26, three games ahead of the Dodgers, four and a half ahead of the Padres in third. Rockies 17 and a half back, and then the AAA Diamondbacks are 27 games back. In the NL Central, the Brewers lead that division at 40. Actually, I'm wrong there. In the NL Central, we have a tie for first with the Brewers and Cubs both at 41 and 33. The Reds are four games back. The Cardinals are in fourth place, four and a half games back, and then the Pirates 13 and a half back. So that could be a pretty good race going down into July and September if this keeps up, because four teams are in it. That could make it pretty interesting. No, no doubt at all on that. I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. And lastly, in the NL East, we were just talking about them, the New York Mets, 37-31, and 31, lead that division. They are four games ahead of the Braves, Phillies, and Nationals. With the Braves 35-37 and the Phillies and Nationals at 34-36. and 36. So a three-way tie for second. And then the Marlins are in, four, in last place at 31-41, and 41, eight games back. And Mark, we've also, we've talked about this many times, how, you know, it's the basic fundamentals of the game that you really, it should be down. But we also, we see a lot of times where, you know, maybe it just goes out the window or guys aren't paying attention. And we've seen that plenty of times this past week, and they involve rundowns. And I don't know about you, but I learned to do a rundown at 10 years old in Little League. And learning was actually really fun. And in case you don't know it, here's a refresher. You can, you can do it with three guys. It's best to do it with four. And say if you're between first and second, you have a guy with one hand, maybe chasing the, the runner towards second, and then the second baseman is standing there, you toss it to him, and then he catches it, runs back, and you have a guy on first, and you just basically, it's basically just a big circle you're going in, almost a figure eight, and you basically just keep doing that back and forth until the guy gives up, or you have a blunder like the Pirates and Orioles did the past week, now you can say it's the Pirates and Orioles. They just suck. Well, yeah, they do, but they're still Major League Baseball players. You should probably know how to do a rundown properly. Yeah, I, I know when um, I was younger, we had a game called Hot Box. And you'd stand out there on the street. You'd make two X's on chalk marks, I don't know, maybe 30 feet away from one another. And you'd have a guy on each one of those chalk bo- uh, marks, and they'd pitch the ball back and forth. And your objective was actually to get up there quick enough to one of them before the other one got the ball. So 
you know, you try to make, if somebody could uh, drop it or whatever, but that was the key, getting there, you know, back and forth and picking your time to do it. But that doesn't always turn out well. Yeah, so the hot box thing, it was, it was crazy, man. But uh, it, it taught you some basics of baseball, even if you weren't out there on the field, about when to negotiate, when to move, and when not to. Yeah, and we we saw that in these rundowns. We saw and the rundowns, excuse me, I can't seem to speak now. We saw it in the Marlins and Cardinals game where the catcher took too long to throw the ball and the guy ended up being safe. Now the third baseman and shortstop could have helped him out a little bit more, you know. The third baseman he kinda of stopped and let the runner get past him. And if he kept going with the runner and is ahead of him, maybe they could have gotten him out. But the shortstop also could have gotten there earlier, but he was in the position that he was supposed to be at the end of the day, although he wasn't there, you know, in time. And then probably the most horrendous one was Orioles-Indians in the bottom of the third. You know, there's a rundown between first and second. You know, it starts off good, but problem is there's only three guys, and his third baseman doesn't come over to cover second, so the guy ends up getting the second. But also the catcher wasn't paying attention because even though the runner already scored, he has to, you know, be aware, maybe go over and cover third because the third baseman was supposed to come over and cover second to help with the rundown. So what could have been an out, should have been an out, the guy not only gets to second, he also gets to third and that's with nobody out. And I believe he ended up coming across the scores after that. Yeah, there there was some crazy stuff I know last night uh, going on, and part of that was uh, with the Rays. I am playing Boston, and you saw was it Rafael Devers? I guess, I like watching that guy. Anyway, he's always talking himself at bat. <laughs> but and I, I sometimes wonder if a lot of ball players have to have some therapy. But anyway, he he's always doing that, and he's very intense, and. A ball's hit. He's already on second. And so one of the other Boston players hits the ball. And he's going to proceed to third. Well, the ball's going down there by third base with a new guy by the name of Wander Franco. He he picks up the ball. Instead of spiriting, spiriting it over to first, he says, you know what? This Dever guy looks like he should be tagged. <laughs> and he, he attempts to tag him. But in his attempt to do so, Devers evades that tap, if you will, only by stepping out of the zone off of the dirt and into the green uh, toward the pitcher. So uh, in that quarter of a second or whatever, Franco sends the ball over to first and they get a double play without actually tagging the guy who's going from second to third because he went out of the lane. He was out for that and he still got the, the batter, the hitter, Got him by getting that ball over fast enough over to first. And, you know, Yandy Diaz was there, and bam, it was done. Say, I don't remember I, I missed that play. Was that a force play? Was there a guy in first, or was he just going anyways? He was just going anyway. He was just going. He, I don't think it was a force play. It was, he, he was just going anyway. There was a force play later <laughs> later in the uh, late innings of the, of the game. And let's see, did you see that one? The one with Phillips? Yeah. Yes, I did, unfortunately. Now, how did that one play out? Well, if I remember it correctly, he 
the ball was put in play and you know he started to go and then he was like yeah you know what maybe i shouldn't go so he starts to go back to second but the problem was there was a run on first i believe it was wendell yeah so they both end up there a second and phillips was just hung out to dry uh you know you say okay brett you're going to probably get tagged at, at uh at third but the Devers actually lost control of the ball before he went ahead and tapped his foot on third. And if if Brett had continued on instead of looking back and forth and back and forth, he would have possibly gotten to third base. You know, those are the kind of things that you don't expect a major league baseball player to be kind of issues they to be having, the problems, the mistakes to have. And yet, as you pointed out, they've been happening more frequently than than one would think. So I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're just, I mean, everybody has brain farts. Maybe everybody's doing it all at once. But, I mean, some of the stuff like rundowns, that's something that you should know. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just armchair quarterbacking it. Well, of course we are. And that's our job. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was an impressive play watching Franco you know, the other night uh, with his debut and that, that he's, I mean, he's done some fantastic fielding, but, but almost tagging Devers and forcing him, you know, forcing him to get out of the lane and getting that ball over to first to Yandi. So a couple of great plays going on there, uh, or maybe one not so great. <laughs> Depends on your perspective. Well, as long as we're talking about the Rays, there is a new legend emerging, and yes, we did just talk about him. Talking about Mr. Wander Franco, his first MLB appearance at the Trop or anywhere, and everybody's excited. Everybody's looking for something new. Here's the guy, Brandon. You know, he had, he had been shortstop, and so had Taylor Walls in Durham and the Rays farm team, and they brought up Walls. He said, wait, wait, wait a minute, Where, where's Franco? Where's Franco? And Walls has just performed, you know, pretty much outstanding. And then uh, I said, well, let's bring up Franco anyway. <laughs> so, what these guys who've been te- teammates at Durham now, you got Franco uh, playing third last night and Walls playing shortstop. And uh, they, they worked pretty well all in all together. Yeah, they did really well. And I was listening to the radio broadcast and they were talking about when was the last time somebody had this big of a debut with the Rays. I mean, Blake Snell's was big, but his was at Yankee Stadium. Adamas was pretty hyped. Longoria. What? This has to be probably the most hyped debut in Rays history. Well, yeah, think about it. I mean, here's this young man. I mean, what? I think he's, is he 21? But, I mean, he signed 20. with... 20? Yeah, he, yeah. He signed with us a few years back. I don't know if I think he may have been 16 when he signed. And the last couple of years... Well, uh, I guess the last three years he's been with us. Because there was really nothing going on with minor leagues last year. But he's played double, single A and triple A. He just skipped over double A pretty much all altogether. And his performance has been amazing. But for the last two years, across all Major League Baseball, he has been seen as the number one prospect. You, you know, we, we see a lot of these other players who've come up and but the anticipation built with this has been huge and that crowd was loud last night man 
They were chanting his name, Wander Franco, Wander Franco. And I'm just going and loud. I mean, just like it used to hear the G-Man Choi. They wound up actually chanting for every player as the night went on. But that was huge. You know, and then when he came up to bat that first time, he said, okay, I'm really looking excited to see what's going to happen with him. And they walk him. <laughs> it, was it wasn't intentional. Yeah, it wasn't. In, it was not an intentional walk. It was. It was. Uh, uh, it was one because he had a sharp eye. You know, we say that about Yandy Diaz, but Franco has a very sharp eye too. He was. I was really impressed with him. He easily could have down 0-2, and in his first ever at bat, you know, gone up there swinging, trying to hit a home run. And wind up striking out there. Nobody would have blamed him. It's his first at bat. Right. But he ended up working down back from an 0-2 count to get a walk, and that eventually led to another run. That was very impressive. Yeah, look at that. His first hit in the major leagues, and what is it? Bam! You got two men on base, and Franco hits a homer. He hits that thing, and that you talk about the crowd going wild. They definitely did. It was insane. Uh, I mean, sitting at home at t- with the TV, I had to start pushing the down button on the volume because it got so loud. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was amazing. You know, and he 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 enjoys it. He goes out there, and you can see all he's doing on the field. I even put some things on uh, at the Baseball Biz on Twitter last night if you want to see some of the photos from that. But it was interesting because after he went in the dugout immediately after that, you see some of the players are actually pushing him out of the dugout to go out and acknowledge. The one that he achieved this, this is his debut, and everybody is shouting and screaming for him, those fans. And he does come out and basically does a you know a tip of the hat and a, a salute and all of that. So it, it was it was an exciting night. And you're right, his coming in has been probably one of the most exciting moments in Ray's history. I mean, it'd been nice if they won. And <laughs> but uh that was really overshadowed by just having Wander there, man. It was huge. I almost forgot that they lost. Everybody was still so excited about Wander. And now they, they did have their chances to win. They very easily could have won that game, but they didn't. But the bigger story is Franco. And, I mean, in his debut, I mean, going two for four with the walk and three RBIs, you can't really have much better of a debut. No, no, no. I, and I hope we continue to see such great things. Oh, here, let's let's hear what Kevin Cash had to say about Wander's debut. Pretty electric player. <laughs> uh, I wish we would have somehow got a win because uh, it would have been a large part for his contributions. Uh, it's got to be a pretty, you know, win or, lo- win or lose, which we're trying to win them all, obviously, but got to be a special day for Wander, his family. I, I think his family was here. So excited for him. Uh, you know, y- you never you never forget that big league debut. Uh, he checked a lot of boxes tonight. Um, and, you know, offensively, he made a web gym play, the big three-run homer to put us back in the game. Talented player that's going to be fun to watch play um, here over the coming months. Well, you can tell he's appreciative, that's for sure, as well he should be. And as, and as anybody who is a fan of the race, definitely was excited about it and looking forward to seeing a lot more from that young man. Wander, I hate to say it, but expectations are high. Uh, we'll see what comes it's good times folks maybe we'll see this uh, for the Rays that seven game losing streak change so the Mariners are they let's see Mariners now you said had a seven game winning streak hmm (laughs) and I have a fun fact if you would like to hear it 
I saw this 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 morning. I don't remember, or not this morning, last night. And I don't remember who who shared it. But do, can you name the last Rays player to hit a, a home run in his debut? Uh, let's see, Willie Adamas. No, that's a good guess. <laughs> who who was it? I'll give you a hint. It is a man who no no longer plays for the Rays. Oh well, uh, Longoria. <laughs> I'm just no. It is Yoshi Satsuki. Get out of here. Dang. Yeah. I didn't believe that Dang. either. Probably his only home run. Ah, poor Yoshi. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah, poor Yoshi. We barely knew thee. <laughs> we did. But just barely. Anyway. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, and let's see. Well, Brandon, you got anything else to add to the wild world of baseball and the happenings that have been going on this past week? Um, nothing really about baseball, but I do want to give a shout out to the Lightning. Hopefully by this time this airs, it's either pregame or after. And if it's after, hopefully they won. If not, hopefully they're getting ready to win. So go Lightning. Hopefully they can, they can shut down the Coliseum like the Bucks did the vet 20 years ago. But that may not be baseball related, but it's Tampa Bay related. It is indeed. And Tampa Bay does rise again. I'm looking forward to that. So folks, you can also find the, Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. That's right, right? At Sports Blitz Pod. That's correct. All right. And you can find me, Mark, at The Baseball Biz, also on Twitter. You can find us on virtually every directory out there Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're there. Thank you so much again for joining us once again with Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward.